stuck in an apartment, a kidnapped woman is forced to fight fight against waves of enemies and protect her family once her captor slash mom boss finds out she was about to expose the organization. Hello everyone, I'm Caleb Jay. I'm Connor Izagari. And welcome to a new episode of Beyond the Bad. Today we'll be talking about the Joe Lynch directed female fronted action film Everly, a film which would get a rather small limited theatrical release but mostly on iTunes before Apple TV Plus existed. Um, Critics would annihilate it by, in my opinion, confusingly phrasing Lynch's direction and Hayek's performance, but then turn around calling it thinly ran and sleazily violent. It was a weird uh, juxtaposition to me. Um, But with that, uh, I'll share it over to everybody Connor here for the scores and probably go into more detail on that. Yeah, Everly is rocking a 28% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 29% audience score, so pretty pretty low. Greatest consensus reads exactly what Caleb just said. Everly benefits from Joe Lynch's stylish direction and Salma Hayek's starring work, but it's too thinly written and sleazily violent to fully recommend. And how, how, how sleazy is too sleazy? That, that's why I say to me, this is confusing in a way, criticism, because like, to me, the film accomplishes what it does, which is it's not meant to have a great story. It's not meant to be like this, you know, epic story. It's a very, it's a serviceable story. It's what I call like, you know, like John Wick. It's a serviceable story to get the, the plot moving. And it's, look, this is the guy who did Wrong Turn 2. Um, it's Joe Lynch. He loves horror films. He's best friends with, you know, Adam Green. Like, come on. If you know what they're going to do, he's going to have a violent film. He doesn't, he's not, he does not mind trying, you know, putting in gore in his movies. Um, and now, like I said, what is sleazy violence as opposed to just violence? Um, so it's just weird that they said those things, but they're like, well, Lynch's direction is pretty good. And Hayek's performance is pretty awesome. I'm like, well, did you like it or did you not? I don't <laughs> Seems to me to be another case of people like critics refusing to admit they liked aspects of what they would probably consider to be a naughty movie. Ooh, a naughty movie. Yeah. Something that's, you know, violent or gory or aggressive or, you know, just gross. So, yeah. I'm gonna say, what about because I know we before we talk, you, you you said it was okay for you. So what would you agree with? Like, did you kind of agree with the critics and that? I don't know what what it says for audiences, what they were think, what like they're generally thinking to have that percentage. But would you like agree with that exception, or do you think they're a little bit off? I think they're being too harsh on this. It's not a terrible movie. It's not the greatest action film of all time, but it's not nearly as bad as I expected. I think if you know what you're getting into, if you accept, you know, if you are familiar with Joe Lynch's stuff, if you, you know, if you like Salma Hayek, if you're into like, you know, violent gangster movies, I don't see why you wouldn't like this. Okay, fair enough. Good, uh, good thing. And I'll actually, I'll use that as a great uh, question. I think 
somehow actually really enough this was one of the more easier questions that popped in my head for this because as you know especially last year with netflix we've had a lot of female fronted action films and then there's been a lot of films that love to general swap like uh ally ghostbusters 2016 right mm-hmm. so with that in mind what do you think causes these types of films to get destroyed by critics and not really connect with audiences? These like more female fronted films or like when they gender swap and stuff like that. Ooh, I feel like I'm about to win final jeopardy. It's a very easy question. And we've talked about this a lot on various uh, shows we've done. I think the biggest problem is that they're never made for the right reasons. They're always made. Well, not always, but the ones that fail are made entirely built on the gimmick. They don't put any effort into story or characters or anything else. They just hope like, look, female Ghostbusters, look, female assassin. Isn't that cool? And no, people need more than that. There needs to be, you know, I, it needs to justify like why you have Ghostbusters, but as, you know, women, and as opposed to just, you know, it can't just be female Ghostbusters. It's what I've talked about before. Where, like to me, it's more of a pandering move. It's like, hey, look, we're with the times. We're here. it's what I call when, like, for a while there, uh, Disney. To me, when they were put, they kept saying, "Hey, it's the first gay couple. It's the first this uh, character," and it stopped feeling genuine to me because it was just like they're just checking off a box. That's how it felt. Yeah, and it didn't really change. The Eternals came out, and they didn't really advertise it. They were just like, "Yeah, he's gay. What about it?" And I was like, okay, sweet. Thank you. It's just, that's his character. It's who he is. We're moving on. It's not like they're checking off a box anymore. Um, that's how I feel a lot of times with like these kind of films. Like you were saying, like they're checking off the box to be hip and cool, but they're providing nothing else of substance with the movie that, like you said, to justify like why we should watch this. I'm not against female foreign action films. I'm not against a female Ghostbusters team. But, you know, give me a good movie with that. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what we need is a good movie, especially these, you know, these action movies where, you know, the it's a famous actress who is, you know, kicking ass. And that's the whole gimmick is like, look at this actress kick ass. Isn't that neat? But it's the same story. It's the same mold every time, you know, films like, you know, um, the protege and gunpowder milkshake and Kate and Anna, and they just keep doing this exact thing and treating it like it's different. And then trying to throw, you know, pull the sexist card when people don't watch it. And I mean, that's just, you know, a trap. It's, it's stupid. Like put some real effort into it and people will see your movie. I mean, look at the fifth element, epic female led action movie, Mila Jovovich kind of start like you know kind of breaking the mold there with a great story behind it and you know a memorable film so yeah like you know i'm not opposed to female-led action films either i just don't like you know i don't like being tricked i don't like being you know i don't like when studios treat me like an idiot yeah and i'm I'm with you i would also add with the fifth element um neil jovic in general i mean Take what you put out of the Resident Evil added, you know, fran- film franchise. They were huge hits, and she is the main star in all six films. Yeah, like they huge hits. So you know, I know for especially a lot of diehard fans of the video game series, I get why they don't like the movies. I I'll say I love the video games. I actually don't mind the first three films. It's the back half of that six film series I don't like. Um, but you know, she's the big. She is the star of that series. She is kicking ass, taking names in it. And then I would go even earlier than Fifth Element, 
uh, Sigourney Reaver in Alien Aliens. Yes, I know there's two more films after that. Less said about those, better. But, you know, the first two aliens, kick-ass, strong, female, fucking badass, great movie to support it. All, and they're cla- they're all-time classics now. Look at T2, you know, with Linda Hamilton. And look at how much the fans that did see it, Dark Fate, <laughs> like Dark Fate, and guess who they brought back? Linda motherfucking Hamilton. And it re- oh. to me, it reinvigorates. It was like, yeah, she was the missing puzzle all these years <laughs> to that franchise. You know, we needed her. Yeah, I'll go even, you know, I'll go mid-2000s. Kill Bill. You know? Yeah, Kill Bill. Epic female dominated franchise a revenge thriller that worked because it was a well-written story full of vibrant characters that you cared about like her you know her her quest made sense you wanted her to succeed you cared about whether or not she destroyed these people and that's what you need you need investment and if you don't have that no film's gonna work every single film needs investment if you don't have that it's you might as well just pack it up yeah and I think that I think that's I mean, like I said, that's the biggest. I think when you make a film, it does not matter. You know, obviously Arwood has been gay, and I get in a way a lot of these more recent examples we talk about when it comes to like pandering and they're not giving they're it feels like a gimmick when they put the uh, you know famous actress in the lead of these films. A lot of it has to do obviously with Hollywood getting rightly called out for diversity and things like that. Yeah, but it feels like it's almost been like a backhanded response from them, like. Okay, fine, you're getting it. How's this? And it's like, well, no, we want... You guys have done it. We know you've done it. We just named examples of when it's been done right, where we got the kick-ass female you know, action lead, and we got the great story and the great writing and the great characters to go with it. But when you just focus on that to fill, to check off your box or to, you know, in the studio's head, silence the naysayers, and then you offer nothing else. And I'm just watching a film while I'm bored to tears. And not because I'm a guy that doesn't want to see a badass female. No, it's because this movie sucks. And you have one gimmick. Yeah. And we need to go back to that. You know, we need to go back to being, to it, you know, being okay to say that a movie is terrible for valid reasons. You know, just because I don't like when you get kind of backed into a corner when you say you don't like something. And then people are like, well, why don't you like it? You know, like it's like you said, some bad word. And I see that happen all the fucking time now. Yes. Especially, like I said, like Ghostbusters, I know um, one of the stars was like, they didn't they didn't like it because, you know, it was all females. And I was like, no, I, I didn't like it because it wasn't that funny or even nearly as good as the first two. It was an OK yeah. movie. I didn't like it because Paul Feig admitted, yeah, I don't really like Ghostbusters that much. And I'm like, well, then why are you making Ghostbusters? <laughs> Yeah, I'm and, like, there's a lot of other reasons I didn't like it. Um, all four one, of those, all four of those actresses are fucking hilarious on yeah. their own. So I don't know, like, the common denominator is you know, the script and the director. So yeah. blame them. Yeah, because uh, guess what? And I think they even tried the I one. I I forget who. I think it was Leslie Grace Jones. I forget her name. Leslie Jones. Yeah, Leslie Jones. I think she tried saying like guys, you know, guys don't want to see a female comedy. I'm like that bullshit i love bridesmaids it's fucking hilarious the heat is fucking hilarious but that's how paul feig really commands to those two female fronted fucking comedies and they were great i laughed my ass off both of them but like, i i just didn't find ghostbusters that funny um 
was it my my feelings were why I'm kind of ambivalent now towards Elizabeth Banks because she pulled that card with Charlie's Angels and the oh men just don't want to see a female front actor. I'm like, no, we didn't want to see yours because it looked like shit. My biggest, you know, kind of challenge to that is women also didn't go see your movie. <laughs> so it's not what it is. And I think that that saying that is is detrimental to like the success of your of your project. If you're just going to be like, oh, people don't like, you know, men, men don't like to see funny women or men don't like to see women do action movies. All that tells me is that you didn't put nearly as much effort into this thing as you should have. And now you're trying to act like it's not your fault. Right. And then I know like for me personally, it makes it for like her upcoming film, Cocaine Bear. I'm iffy on it. Cause it's like, why should I get excited? Cause if I don't like it, it's probably going to be somehow cause I'm a man. You know what I mean? It's like, now you've set this, this tone of like, I don't like it. It's just cause of my, my particular gender or race or whatever it may be. Right. And it's like, well, now I don't really want to see your future product mm-hmm. projects. I don't want you to just claim I don't like it because of my fucking who I am, not just because I didn't like your movie. I am, though, 100% in on Cocaine Bear because that is such a crazy fucking story. And I really want to see that. I know you are. And I, I want it to be good. Don't I don't look. I don't want to. I want it to be good. I know. I'm saying, like where I'm coming from and my feelings towards that. I get it. Yeah, it's a shit thing to say. And. You don't see a lot of uh like a lot of men um male filmmakers saying shit like that. No, because I uh how do I word this about saying like I'm going on a rant? It's become cool to hate on men more than ever. Yeah, I don't want to go there. But um I don't want to go there. I'm just yeah to put it just in a in a summary, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't go there, I don't want to go down that route. I'm I promise you I'm not a fucking MAGA Republican. I'm just saying what I have noticed and we'll leave it at that. Entertainment subjective. If you don't like it, you don't like it, but don't, you know, if somebody doesn't like your thing, don't act like it's their fault. Most. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying, look, and I'm not saying there aren't people that absolutely will not watch them because those, but there's bigots out there. Those racists, there's guys are, you know, misogynist. So I'm not saying these people don't exist. Not saying that. I don't think it's as big of an audience as some think to cause a bad box office for your movie. Well, also, you know, the movies are like when the movie's bad, the movie's bad. I mean, that doesn't, you know, kind of globbing on to the actual like societal problems that film has by throwing your shitty movie in there and acting like, oh, I'm a victim, too. You're just an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not now with that. There are, you know, like I said, there are good. We named some female front. I personally do think Everly is a good female front action film that actually gives us, it's not just a gimmick. It gives us a good story. It gives us a, a story that's, like I said, I'll call it like the John Wick of the 80s mold of action film, which is it's serviceable to try the plot forward and get you invested enough. Um, I do think the action is really cool. So I do. I would, for me personally, would lump everybody in the good side of it, where they just want to make a good movie and get a kick-ass female lead for the role. Yeah, I'll give you that. It's it's fairly original. It's not terrible. And I don't think Joe Lynch is the kind of filmmaker to throw the movie under the bus and be like, you know, oh, people didn't see my movie because 
people don't want to see a woman be powerful. Like he's not that kind of person. So I think he just took the loss, which is what you should do gracefully. Yeah. No, he took the loss. He moved on. Uh, he, we, I don't know. I would have to look to see which, which podcast we were doing on, but he has a, a particular film called the Knights and I, Knights of Bad Astom that he had for a while a bit more to say on that one. Um, that's a, that's a film gasm. I've okay. I've seen that movie. That's a crazy fucking movie. Oh, it's great. It's a great movie. But uh, he has a bit more to say on that due to some production issues that really pissed him off. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's even with that, he's warmed up to it. He's talked about on the movie crypt before. He's warmed up to it quite a bit. Um, and the and, you know the fans that like it. But he he for a while there he was bad man the shit out of that movie. Um. I think I think what killed this movie the most above anything is distribution because when there is no Apple streaming service yet I don't think anybody's going to go onto iTunes just to watch this one there, movie there was a weird period it was around this time when streaming you know was really starting to finally kind of take over Netflix was out Prime was slowly building its reputation Hulu was going strong we're like, we have these weird fucking releases on things like iTunes and AT&T Universe, whatever the fuck they called it. You Audience know? Network. Audience, Audience Network. Network. I remember yeah. that. Like these weird ones that no one fucking had. And luckily, all this stuff has now gone to shit like Peacock and, you know, Paramount Plus or even the free things. Like I watched this particular, I watched everything on Freebie. Um, so, you know, like things like that or to be luckily they go to that. But for a while, though, we had really like a weird, a weird thing going on with streamers at this time. Yeah, though, they were trying to find their footing and everybody wanted to have a piece of this ever growing pie, no matter how small that piece might be. And because of that, so many films were left with this weird, like audienceless limbo that got no attention. And some are being discovered now. Some are lost to time and others just are there it's it's, it's weird there's got to be yeah. movies to line the shelves you know <laughs> it sucks but that some some films are only destined to just be you know part of the collection you're not gonna watch it but it's there this is true uh, yeah this one i would watch so i do i do enjoy this it's a mindless film that i enjoy but you yeah, know if, I, do you know if this ever got like a physical release I think so, yeah. I think yeah, physical release. Okay. Good. I think the only I think the only Joe Lynch film that does not have a physical release is a uh, uh point fuck what was it card? Is one for Netflix. Oh, with Frank point Rilla. blank. There you go. Point blank. Okay. I think it's only, but that was just because it's a Netflix movie. Yeah, there some some get a release, some don't. It's I don't I don't get it. I don't know where to yeah. look. I would have to double check to make sure, but I haven't. I'm not aware of one. The only thing I know about that is that he does not like Frank Grillo. <laughs> he told me about that. Yeah, that was that was a wild story. Yeah, he he's very open about that one. <laughs> <laughs> you don't see that in Hollywood. Usually, you're supposed to just be like, "Well, you know, there were some creative differences," but no, this is just fuck him. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny, and I it's funny when you listen to like the podcast because Adam Green's constantly just like, "Joe, shut up!" Like, don't. He's like, "No, no." He's like, "Fuck that asshole." Never working with him again. <laughs> I love when there's like a legitimate beef that's not like nobody's being coy about in Hollywood. That always makes me laugh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny because like having like music, right? Like rap and like rock arts, like they are so open about those feuds. Hollywood's so like 
fucking surface level backstabbing two face. They're just like, oh yeah, the creative differences. Oh, he's just an intense person to work with. And it's like you don't want to work with them. Just fucking say you don't want to work with them. Yeah, we've seen it so many times over the decades that like we know what the buzzwords mean. You know, we know what intense means. We know what difficult means. Like, just just be honest. Just say, yeah, I didn't fucking like him. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and even the actors know it. Like, what was it when Charlie Sterone, who I have heard stories of not exactly being the best person to work with, tried going after Tom Hardy and, like, I guess some book or something about when she worked on Mad Max. And she was like, he really scared me. And he was so intense. I think like the next day he's like, I was a different person back then. I am sorry if I did anything that's like just a full. I'm like, <laughs> now he's just making you look bad because like you badmouth him and he's apologizing. <laughs> <laughs> so who's the real bitch here, Miss Charlie's Theron? <laughs> I don't. Yeah, interesting to to look at all that. I, a good feud can make some magical movie moments. I mean, look at uh, whatever happened to Baby Jane. That movie's intense yeah. as shit because of the just palpable tension between uh, Betty Davis and Joan Crawford. Yeah, it was the whole uh, that uh, that Ryan Murphy show feud. That whole first season was about that. Yeah, it was like about that, those two. It's so legendary that it fueled an entire season of TV. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. Oh, but yeah, Joe Lynch. I hope Frank Grillo doesn't impede you getting work. <laughs> I, it's not. He he. Uh, they had to bank some movie crypt episodes because he went off to go film his next movie. Um, I think he's in post-production now. So we're getting a new Joe Lynch movie in the next couple of months, hopefully. Cool. Very cool. Yes. I, for one, am excited. I haven't really seen enough of his work to get excited. Sorry. All right. Let's just move on to development. Hell, <laughs> you've been finding ways to just keep like, disappointment and i like what what's going on today i'm so sorry that my life is upsetting you no it's the fact that you you could have watched certain things that we like to talk about minus the things i understand with you know your parents i get that but then you you watched that 70s show and you played goddamn kingdom hearts instead yes i did that's what i'm doing right now i'm avoiding working on my thesis by watching that 70 show on Peacock, which is great and playing kingdom hearts for the first time in like 15 years. And also not watching TV shows the day I'm supposed to watch them apparently. So just, we like to talk about that. <laughs> How dare you take this from me? This is as close as it gets to airing dirty laundry on air. <laughs> Can you imagine if just one day, we just built up such rage against each other somehow. We just start airing out dirty laundry on the podcast. I have secrets, really. <laughs> I don't know what I'd talk. What would I say? I don't know what I would say either, honestly. Yeah, I got I got nothing. <laughs> I'm like John Candy in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. What you see is what you get. <sighs> so how did this movie get made? There's so luckily, I know we've had two weeks of very in depth, big, girthy, meaty development hells. But today we got a small one, a micro penis one, if you will. And I'm so happy about that. <laughs> so, someone who does the script for this one, so nice not to type a lot of stuff for once. So, 
starting in 2010, not a decade, not 20, just four fucking years prior. Which is pretty standard in Hollywood, if we're being honest. The screenplay for this was featured in the Blacklist uh, for that year, um, which is, I know what you're thinking, for everyone goes up in arms, know how it sounds, but the Blacklist in Hollywood is a list of the most light unmade scripts of the year. It, they do it every year. There's a shit ton of scripts in that. It's I don't know why they call it Blacklist. It's what they call it. Glad Hollywood was able to rebrand something that destroyed quite a lot of careers and lives in the 40s and 50s and made it something whimsical and silly. That's nice. Yeah. And I mean, they technically still use it. I mean, I think Frazier has referred to uh, the groping moment as when he got blacklisted. I think he referred to the word blacklist before in interviews. Yeah. But in Hollywood specifically, it, you know, it channels memories of the actual Hollywood blacklist by the HUAC, which destroyed quite a few lives and careers. But yeah, yeah. That, that term blacklist, it's still around. It's just nowhere near, you know, it's not really political anymore. No one's getting ousted from Hollywood for being a communist anymore. So, yeah. Now it's more like, I mean, luckily, even that's been, again, thanks to the the, the Me Too movement and Believe and stuff, that's been finally going way out. But used to, it eventually got used for disgusting, you know, older dudes to make sure people, if you told them no or whatever to their advances didn't get work um luckily again thanks to the me too movement, the you know the the pushback hollywood's been facing in recent years like i said um it happened to happened to fraser that's why we didn't see him for a while um that's been kind of going out the door finally as well so but uh on that this is what this blacklist means just a list of the most liked unmade scripts of the year so a lot of times Movies will actually get grabbed, and that's what we end up seeing at the at the movie theater every so often. Um, traction for this one would start, uh, hap- would happen briefly once director, uh, he'd be mentioned, Joe Lenz. Again, I'll the movies he's done in case you missed the beginning of this wrong turn, too, which is the best wrong turn. Um, The Night's About Assam recently, point blank, he is currently working on another movie right now. I, I don't know the title of it. Uh, I believe is in the post production, so we should be getting it hopefully soon. Um, so he's you know big time uh, direct, you know big time genre director. I'd say he does you know he has yeah he obviously known for things like horror, but also he's branched on things like this with action. Um, good friends with uh, Adam Green, so you'll see him pop up in a lot of Adam Green stuff. He was uh he cameoed in Victor Crowley, so um and pretty fun cameo. So uh, but he would get brought on board for this. Um, and he said the inspirations for um, this film that for him were, and it makes sense, but these were the films he named as inspiration. Taken, Die Hard, The Raid, fuck yeah, and uh, Desperado. Do you, do, you, do you see those inspirations on the screen? Yeah, for the most part. Uh, one of my letterbox reviews that I didn't use uh, called this movie The Raid for Stupid People. It's Funny that you would bring that up. <laughs> I okay. I I as someone who adores everything about the raid, what kind of people do you think is watching the raid? Because it's not fucking sophisticated people. Like, and I'm it's it's a great movie. It's not a smart film, but it's a great movie. I think the very fact that it's got subtitles and forces you to read alienates a lot of dumb Americans who don't like that foreign talk if you know what i mean 
So I get it. Okay. Well, <laughs> I definitely, I, God damn it. I, I, I also see, you know, obviously the raid and the, it being an apartment, die hard with the Christmas setting taking with this, uh, this, you know, lady taken into prostitution that has a particular set of skills and Simon Hayek just because she was also in Desperado when she was breaking out onto the scene. Where did said skills come from? Did that ever get? No, mentioned? it's never brought up. Yeah, see, that was a big. Well, we'll, we'll get to it. I didn't bother me. I was all down for it. You gotta, you gotta let the story stuff go, my friend. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. He also attempted to convince the producers to allow him to shoot the film in Serbia, uh, which they denied. Um, he had shot in Serbia before for um, Mayhem, a film I did forget to mention, Mayhem, which is. Bad and Wrong Turn 2 are my two personal favorite Joe Lynch films. Um, Mayhem is Steven Yoon and Smar Reaving. Oh, stay cool. Stay cool. We all know how much I love her. Smar Reaving and a virus making people just give into their base instincts. I know everything in the sadness. This was well before the sadness ever came out. This was like back. This was before this movie. So, well before the sadness. Um, Obviously not as like graphic as the sadness, but a shit ton of fun. Um, it is famous for having a scene where these p- couple are having sex in the background, and um, Joe Lynch has claimed that that was not simulated. That he told them what the scene was, and that it was an actual couple, and they started having sex, and he just filmed it. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. That probably why he doesn't get a lot of mainstream work because of shit like that. He. He was not expecting them to do it. He thought they knew that it was simulated, and they were like, "Yeah, no, we got this. We can do it." I admire those people being like, "Hey, you know, let's do this right." Give the audience any in for a pound. Give the audience what they paid for. Um, <laughs> but that was also probably right. One street in Serbia, because he filmed that film in uh, he filmed that over in Serbia. Um. But on his podcast, he does with Adam Green, the movie Crypt, which you should all check out if you want to hear them interview people in the industry. And it's a lot of good stuff. Uh, he would joke the reason was so he could shoot somewhere foreign for a few months, like big time directors always claim to want to do. So that was his joke. Like, oh, well, the big time directors always want to do it. So I want to do it. <laughs> That's funny. That's yeah. cute. Uh, he did, you know, he would eventually go on and say, hey, his actual reason, though, was it's just cheaper to shoot in Serbia. I mean, the movie takes place in one room. Did it really matter where that room was? No, but I think, again, it was like, hey, I did Mayhem there. I mean, let me go to Serbia. (laughs) So uh, around this time, uh, Kate Hudson actually was originally cast in the lead uh, role, in the title role. Uh, What do you think of that? Hmm. Yeah, I can see that. I like Kate Hudson. It'd be different. I only have ever seen her do shit like dramas and stuff like that. So I haven't really seen her or romantic comedies. I haven't seen her in an action film. So it would have been interesting. Yeah, well, Salma Hayek has definitely has more of an action resume that you know, kind of fits this character. But I mean, I kind of like when an actor kind of steps out of their comfort zone for something different. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at, I what, look at what Liam Neeson was able to do with Taken. He got a whole second wave hasn't stopped <laughs> I mean it would have been interesting especially because for those of you who don't know like 
you know, she referred, you know, not, I know it's not biologically, but she refers to him as her father, but she is a daughter of Gody Hawn, who is with uh, Kurt Russell of Snake Plissken fame. So it would have been kind of poetic in a weird way that, like, hey, you know, your dad, who's done fucking Snake Plissken, Jack Burton, like all these, you know, famous badass characters. And you're like, yeah, let me do an action movie. Let me show them what I got. Um, but uh, it was not meant to be mostly because the film was just stuck in development for a while. So she had to drop out. It actually had nothing to do with like directors or any trauma. She says, hey, this is taking too long. I got other stuff lined up to do. I, I can't do it anymore. Yeah, that happens. Yeah. So luckily, no, no ill blood. So who knows? Maybe she will show up in a Joe Lynch film down the road. Uh-huh. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I know she's going to be in Knives Out 2 in the, um, around Christmas. So you can check her out there. Yes, which have you seen the reviews for that? Oh, I'm excited. It's getting some good reviews. I saw Daniel Craig said there's no limit to how many Knives Out films he could make. Like it's he's nice. loving playing this because it's, it's so not James Bond. Honestly, it's so nice seeing him actually like the role he's doing. <laughs> like, I'm, look, don't worry, I'm glad that he did what I always. I know I joke about like, hey, you're an actor, act. As much as he hated James Bond, he he gave us performance. He did his job. I'll forever give him credit for that. Boy, did he, man, he not enjoy the role as evidence in many interviews. He, did. He, has, he has way more time just throwing on a southern accent and not doing a bunch of crazy stunts that are ripping his body apart. I get it. Yeah. I mean, they, eventually they don't want to do it. You know, that's why Hugh Jackman left Wolverine. He was like, look, I can't keep doing this. I'm in my 50s. Yeah. But I admire the ride and the commitment. Yes. And hey, I'm glad he is at least saying, let's do more knives out, especially if they keep getting received like they do. So, yeah, it's endless. Um, luckily, there was not a litany of actresses going back to um, everybody. There was not a litany of actresses that after once she dropped out, they pretty much secured Sama Hayek pretty quickly after that. She would get thrown, obviously, stick with it to the finished film. Um, now this was something I found quite interesting. Um, something that doesn't happen in a lot of film, but it happens every so often. Um, unlike a large majority of films, which for anyone who doesn't know, films are shot out of order because they have to do things like actor schedule. Uh, this day might take longer. It's, there's a lot of factors. It depends on the location, things like that. A lot of factors. Um, this is one of the rare, rare cases where uh, Lynch actually opted to shoot the film sequential order. Um, so he actually shot it right in order as we see on screen. Uh, most and they most likely due to the one setting making it easy to achieve that in the escalating action scenes also just made it easier to shoot in sequential order. Yeah, they'd have to keep rebuilding the set. It's a smart move. That makes sense. Pretty cool. Yeah. So like I said it's not it's not this isn't the one film that's done it. It's happened every so often. Usually in cases like this where like they're looking at it and it just makes more sense to do it in order than shoot out of order. But just cool when it does happen because, like I said, nine times out of ten, they're shooting stuff out of order. They're, you know, what is it when people freak out when they're like, oh my God, this MCU film's having to do reshoots? It's the end of the, no, it's they shot things out of order and then some shit's changing now in the edit. So they have to go back and reshoot stuff. Like, calm down. Um, so this doesn't happen a lot. So it's kind of cool when it does. Yeah. And it, you know, shows his, shows his competency as a filmmaker that he was prepared for for that kind of project yeah um 
and then that's that's pretty much it. Like this is a short one. Um, as as I stated earlier, the film would get an incredibly limited release. Like you were talking about, it would get that weird period where it seemed like every company was trying to have their own version of streamer. So this got like an, a weird iTunes exclusive release with limited theatrical release. Um, to better clarify, that's what happened. That's happened. That when you see that happen now with stuff like, um, like Orphan First Kill did that shit. It had the limited theatrical release, but on the same day it premiered on Paramount Plus. Um, the upcoming Terrifier 2 is doing the same damn thing. It's getting a limited theatrical release while it also premieres on Screenbox. It so happens, but on a bigger scale now compared to then where it seemed like it just, you saw it and you got lucky and you saw it or you just didn't see it and you're like, whatever happened to that movie? Yeah. And I saw that the uh, the gross ended up being around three hundred thousand dollars, which is a uh, ouch. <laughs> that is God. Eek. That is wow. Yeah. So I I personally like back then. I don't get it. I get it a bit more now to do that. Like, hey, even though we are playing on streamer, there are people that don't have Paramount Plus. There are people that don't have HBO Max. Right. If there even HBO Max exists long enough for all the shit going on over there, but there are people that don't have Netflix does it during award season, right? There, there are people in this world that don't have Netflix, especially now with all the shit they've been doing to piss their fan base off. <laughs> um, so it makes sense to be like, hey, this is a film that has a shot. Let's do a limited theatrical release. Let's let those people that don't have our service have a chance to see it in theaters, and then those that have it can just choose: do I want to go see it in theaters or just fucking wait till it hits Netflix? You know. Yeah, especially in the you know the post COVID world, we we got to see that that could work. That there are people who want to just stay home and watch this shit, but there are people who still do want to go see it on the big screen. But in 2014, when Apple didn't have that, it was a very weird decision to just drop a movie on iTunes and hope people would you know watch it on their computer. Because <laughs> you can't back then, you could not watch Apple shit on your TV. Yeah, no, there was no Apple TV Plus that so you get on your Fire Stick or your Roku, hit the fucking app, and it just opens up for you. Nope, you had to plug your laptop into the TV. You had to get the volume to work. Like it was a, it was a pain in the ass. And it, I gotta tell you, like, it's not a terrible movie, but it's not worth all that shit. It's not worth yeah, the yeah. hassle of creating a home theater system. Yeah, no, and uh, it, oh, God, yeah, I wouldn't do that. Like again, I like this film. I want to go that far, to watch it. at that point. Really, I'm, we'll just watch this on the laptop, huddle around. I like, don't give a shit. Um, um, even like even Shutter, you know, even Shutter, they'll pick up a lot of stuff that at least gets festival play first, and then sometimes depending on like I don't know with Mandy, they it got festival play. Then they got its theatrical release, and then they finally put it on Shutter. So, like, even they were like, "Hey, let's give it a shot first because it's doing really well. Like, people are like seeing this and praising it before we put it on Shutter." For those who just, because again, the other side of that, right? I know I just talk about the side of it that if you don't have that streaming service, especially something like obviously Shutter, which is much more niche. Um, but the other side is that for those that it's not playing at a theater near them or something like that, you know what I mean? Like, I know that's happened to me before. It's like. Well, shit, like Orphan First Kill, I watched a Paramount Plus. I looked to see if it was playing at a theater near me. It wasn't. So I was like, well, I'll just wait for Paramount Plus. Guess Mania, I was like, I'll just wait for Shudder because it's playing nowhere near me. So, you know, it, it works now on both sides. But back then, it's like, 
it's either like I try to find a theater that may not play it, or I attempt to watch this on iTunes somehow, which even back then and now iTunes is the weirdest like service to use to rent anything off of. I know that also, like for me personally, you know, going to the movies is expensive. So I want to be sure I'm going to like something if I'm going to pay that kind of money. So if something's streaming at home that I could just watch, I'm probably going to be more inclined to watch that just to see if it's, you know, any good as opposed to dropping like 20, 30 bucks and then, you know, being pissed off halfway through where I'm like, this was not worth the money. <laughs> That's how I was with the HBO Max stuff. Uh, when I get back from my deployment in 2021, if it was something like Godzilla versus Kong or Mortal Kombat. So I was like, I want to see this on the big screen. I did that. But then if it was something like the Matrix fucking Resurrections, I was like, yeah, no, I'm HBO maxing that. I'm not paying money to go see that goddamn movie on the big screen. I did. I regret it. Yeah, you made that mistake. I did not. Yeah, I did make that mistake. Yeah, so no, I, I get what you're saying. It's like I said, now it makes a shit ton of sense. It I, you know, and don't get me wrong, I got, especially in Max's case, I got the pushback at, at first, especially when they were when they were saying like, hey, you should have told us because all of our contracts are for theatrical only. I get the anger there and a lot of the creators and the actors and stuff. But then when, you know, and I won't get, but, you know, obviously like your Nolans and your villain news are just acting like apparently a pandemic never happened. It was like, all right, you guys can get off your high horse, but like. Everyone else, I understood the pushback, but also like how a lot of people were like, "No, this is a good thing. Let's take advantage of this." Yeah, I don't. I didn't like that whole, you know, go see my movie at the in the theater. That's the way it's supposed to be done. Otherwise, don't even bother. And why aren't you going to the movies? Huh? People are dying. That's why. Yeah, there's a pandemic, and guess what? It didn't even affect half the movies. We're still getting a Mortal Kombat sequel. You see the HBO Max numbers. We're still getting a Godzilla versus Kong sequel thanks to the HBO Max numbers. Like. It didn't really harm anything. Like we're still getting sequels to films I want to see again. There's talked about an Orphan Three for Christ's sakes because of the Paramount Plus number. So like, I don't see the harm in a way. Like yeah, don't get me wrong. I want the theatrical experience, but we're still getting continuations of stuff that I want to see continue. Yeah, and I don't like these guys are like acting like they're God's gift to cinema. You know, only one filmmaker was God's gift to cinema. And he's been dead for a long time. So, oh, I said Spielberg. Who were you thinking? I, well, all right. Yeah, sure. I'll drop it. Frank Capra. Okay. You know, just to just see if I can create chaos because I know this creates chaos anytime you say it. Rob Zombie. All right, let's move on. (laughs) Just say that name and fucking people won't shut up for days. Right now it's quiet. Yeah, right now it's quiet on the online front, but Monsters is coming out soon, so it's about to get fucking nonstop again. No such thing as bad publicity. Not not for him, technically. That's all he gets most of the time. All he gets, but it's like it works because I'm like, Pete, you're watching his movies, you're putting him in the spotlight. Like you're just giving him publicity at this point. It's not even bad. Like he's getting attention for his new movie. Which I will be checking out Monsters. But moving on. Uh but yeah, so with in regards to Everly, right? Weird release. It did get destroyed by critics, like you you know point out with the score. Audiences too didn't really click. Um, and then it was weird, funny enough, as in to add more to the weird kind of like consensus critics were making it. 
many of them comparing it unfavorably to the aforementioned films which inspired it. So Jones like, these are films that inspire me. And then the critics are like, it's not as good as these films. It's like, well, no shit. It's not meant to be. He said those are what inspired him in how he wanted to do his. It's hilarious. Critics, I at least we don't pretend to be experts. Like we're just we're just talking about these movies. There are people out there who firmly believe that their word is law when it comes to film, and I fucking can't stand them. I can't, and because like like you like we were talking about, right? Subjective, uh, our opinion alone. That's right. Like I personally really like it and think it's a fun movie. You thought it was okay. You didn't hate it. You didn't love it. You know, you're like right in the middle. Yeah. It's like that alone. We have two differing opinions. Are, are we fucking trying to be like, no, my opinion's right? It's like, okay, that's what you thought. That's what I thought. Cool. Yeah. If that's how we operated. This show would have been like all these shows would have ended a long time ago. We were just like, you are wrong. Now get with the program. Oh my God. Would this be just awkward and uncomfortable every time? It's like, it's like those jokes that people make about like you can't play, play Monopoly with friends and family. It's like the podcast. Very glad that we decided to just, you know, make keep this fun and light. Yeah. Hey, look, like I said, with the, the my thing with this show is to either A, bring, you know, reclaim a film that people I think aren't justly calling bad, or see what went wrong. If you want to see what went wrong, tune into last week's episode about Dark Tower, and you will see what went wrong with that fucking movie. Damn right. I don't even want to think about that anymore. Yeah. And then, you know, other episodes we've done, like Doom, where I think we're a little too harsh on the Doom adaptation. I say, let's reclaim that. It's just a fun movie. Yeah. Good movie. With that said, unless you have more to add, like I said, not a heavy development hell this week. I am ready to move on to your awards. What do you say? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. First up, Zack Snyder. I got nothing this week again. He's being relatively quiet on the news front. And DC has felt me now because they are just burning to the ground. Uh, the worst scene. What did you come up with? Uh, mine comes fairly early on in the movie. Uh, she wipes out all the Yakuza dudes, and this dude Tycho puts out a hit on her, and suddenly all the other sex slaves in the building start coming in one at a time, all with guns, which is like weird to give all your sex slaves a gun. And <laughs> she just starts killing them one by one. It's like, an endless parade of sex slaves who should be backing her up. Like they should all be getting out of there together. They're all in the same fucking boat. So like, why are they suddenly just totally down to take the Yakuza money? And just like, it, it was just so weird and kind of played for laughs, but they weren't, it wasn't really that funny. Okay. I, okay. I see where you're coming from. I, it, I like the scene. I think it like, cause it kind of shows that like, to me, it shows like how petty human beings are, and that they could have just banned scaring God out. My sister, like, oh shit, more money. Yeah, I'll take the money and I'll kill that bitch. You know what I mean? Like, they're they'd rather do that than just be smart, band there, and get the fuck out. Yeah, there's no way that you like he wasn't gonna pay any of them anything. I mean, why would he? Yeah, and I mean, and to me, it just showed his power. Um, I I personally did find it funny when they were arguing and then shot each other. But again, I, I get it. I get where you're coming from. Yeah. What did you have? 
for me, which was, this was tough because again, I, I I liked it a bit more, and it's one setting, so it's like really kind of hard in this case to pick something because it's one setting the whole time. Um, but for me, I put the final uh, showdown between Tycho and Everly, specifically the part where she hits him with the the sword or katana, whatever you want to technically call it. You know, please don't come at me later. Um, and she slices him up. I put it because it's very clearly CGI. I could be wrong. <laughs> Joe Lynch, if somehow you listen to this small little nobody podcast, please tell me I'm wrong. But it looked like CGI. It didn't look that great to me. Kind of underwhelming, too. And the whole, you know, if you kill me, like, they'll never be safe. And then what does she do? She she kills him <laughs> anyway. And, his, like, hands him a knife and says, you do it. Like, he's just going to be like, okay. This super powerful Yakuza boss who hates her is going to be like, well, she bested me. I guess I got to kill myself now. Let me die honorably, even though I'm clearly not committed to honor throughout this movie. Yeah, let me die honorably at the hands of the woman I kidnapped to be my sex slave. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I was kind of underwhelmed by that. And that was a weird visual. I think you're right. It was hasty CGI. Yeah, especially because most of this film is very clearly like, practical and looks good, looks great. And then that, I was like, it looks like CGI to me, at least. It, it looks CGI to me very much. Yeah, probably. No. Uh, with that, let's move on to the Ed Wood, the worst line. What did you come up with? I know I personally kind of have a hard time. I mean, dialogue was too terrible. I have two lines because I thought they Ooh. were just... Yeah, I thought they were old school. Bringing back the the double. (laughs) Uh, My first one comes from Zelda, the first uh, sex slave who gets in on this action. Uh, She she opens her uh, a fucking wardrobe of weapons. I'm like, are these are they here willingly or not? (laughs) Because typically. I mean, I've never been in the market for sex slaves, but I'm pretty sure you don't give them easy access to weapons. <laughs> uh, but she opens it. She grabs some Psy, uh, like she's fucking Raphael, and says, hello, boys, time to get motherfucking paid. I'm like, you are very whimsical about this whole super fucking dark situation, aren't you? As there's the dead body, which I'm assuming was from the gunfire in the room earlier, of the guy she was, you know, of her client yeah. dead on her bed. Can that you was... imagine whatever he was like probably pumping away, I'm assuming. Hoping for a good time and he's now dead. <laughs> yeah, that's gotta suck. I hope she went through his pockets. Uh so that was my first line because I was just like, is this supposed to be a comedy? Like I couldn't tell what what they were going for here. Like, am I supposed to be laughing? Because I don't think I'm supposed to be laughing. Joe Lynch is like Adam Green. He likes to make his movies fun, so he'll usually insert comedy throughout them. Okay. My other one comes from Everly, who uh, tells the the, uh, the businessman who survives, and is like, you know, don't go up against them. Like, don't do this. And she says, "Tell Tycho he can lick my balls." Like, again, like, okay, bit of a weird tonal thing here and it's just hearing Salma Hayek say that I just didn't buy it in the slightest it's like nah come on you could have done better is it, is it just because you don't want the visual of 
Sama Hayek with balls. <laughs> that could be part of it, yeah. But it is also just such a weird thing to say. Like, I don't get the vibe here. Like, it's it's ha- it's like a Frankenstein's monster of action and comedy that doesn't work. See, it worked for me. I I thought it worked well, but again, I like Adam 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 Green style with taking making his movies fun. He, he, or not Adam Green, Angela Lynch, but Joe Lynch who directed this. Jesus Christ! It's because I listen to their podcast every week. I like I like fun movies too. I just think that if you're gonna make a movie about an escaped sex slave who's been kidnapped for four years and has like been raped repeatedly, I feel like you can't get a lot of whimsy out of that. I think you can. <laughs> I, all right. Agree to disagree, then. I think you can get nothing but whimsy out of it. Oh, God. Okay. On that note, my pick, and it has less to do with this film, but I've always kind of hate, especially because I've gotten older and just the line itself, just I hear it in so many action films, and I'm like, how, 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 how? And that's when the dude that got shot and has been kind of briefly becomes uh, Everly's friend is hyping up Taika and he goes, if you don't do it. And uh, yeah, he goes, if you don't do it, Taika will kill you or worse. I hate every time I hear that line of action punks. I'm like, what's worse than death? You tell me guy, what is worse? What is worse than death? You know what? I can't stand. I can't stand when the bad guy has our hero, like on her knees, like it's over. And he gives her, he's, you know, he gives her time to get a weapon. He's like, you know, look into my eyes while I kill you. It's like, just shoot her. She's mur- she's killed like thirty of your guys. Just end it. <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, that. Yeah, I know this is like a, a, this is a nitpick for me. It's just, it just, I don't know why it bugs me. It's just like every time I hear it, I'm like, he'll kill you. I'm like, oh, that's pretty bad. And then they always do that or worse. I'm like. I, you can't come back from death so you tell me what's worse like what is worse than him i what yeah it's just you know it's a trope i hate tropes i hate when you just go to the cliche book and it's like i'll take some of that some of this it's like you know the equivalent of like buying your food at the gas station like yeah it'll fill you up but it's not gonna feel good it's not gonna come out great either Nope. You could do better. Is this really how you want to end the day? Yeah. And for those of you who are young, very young, you're thinking, it I don't have issues with gas station food. Enjoy that. Because one day you'll get older and don't know what we're talking about. (laughs) And it happens earlier than you think. It's like your mid twenties, so you're like, oh God. (laughs) Yeah. So try harder. Yeah, stop telling me something worse than you dying. The love of God. On that note, worst uh, the worst performance, all the Steven Seagal, as we like to call it. To me, this went to Caroline Chikese, who plays Zelda. It was brief, but I did not care for her. You really did not like this lady. I didn't. Her whole character was stupid. Like, why is she... First off, why make why, why is she cockney? <laughs> where where is she from? Why is she so excited about this? 
Why is she cracking one-liners? Time to get motherfucking paid. Like, why? What? What is going on here? So yeah, she was irritating and annoying, and also like just shot in the face, and it was over. So it was like, okay, moving on. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, uh, I see where you're coming from. I I liked her brief appearance, but I get it. Okay, what do you got? This is like it's like spooky so over again, except you like this movie a bit better. <laughs> uh for me, I actually picked our main our main bad guy, uh Hiro Hiroyuki Watanabe. Uh Taiko. Um just because for me, most of them he is built up as this like pretty bad dude. Like you don't want to cross him. He has apparently money for days to pay off like half the town to be on his side. Um and then to me, when he comes in, he also is like reduced to like, oh, I've been in love with you, and that's why you're my favorite. And he he wasn't that threatening to me. Like he didn't feel threatening. It was like it was all just gone the moment he came on screen. Not a bad performance per se, just more like the 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 buildup was not worth it at the end for me. Yeah, I'm with you. I see I see where that's coming from. This bad guy is built up to be like a force of nature. Everyone who talks about him is like, don't you cross him. He he owns, insert town name here, and nobody <laughs> goes up against him. And he's calling her the whole time being like, I know where your family is, and I'm going to hurt you, and I'm going to do bad stuff. And then he's, just, he's full of shit mm. because he's in love with her. This woman he kidnapped and has been raping for four years. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. Lovely. Yeah, so I, I'm with you on that. Yeah, he was incredibly underwhelming. Yeah, like I said, this was this was weird. Cause usually, like I look for an actual bad performance, but in this case, it wasn't. Everyone does good in this film. It's just, yeah, the the build up, build up was worth it more than the actual payoff. Um, well, now let's move on to the Michael Bay, the worst filmmaking decisions. So, what did you come up with? Real quick, uh, he died. The guy who plays Tycho, he died earlier this year. Oh, well, I'm he not changing himself. my I'm not changing my answer, but oh, RIP. I just yeah, I didn't know that. Holy shit. Um worst filmmaking decision. Uh so I have I had some some problems with this because I had two that I want to talk about, but one of them bugs me more than the other one, so I'm gonna go with that one. It's the fact that this entire movie. Everly is just running around, jumping with a gaping bullet wound in her stomach. Like from the get go, she's just like ignoring that. And that bothered me a lot. Like it's never addressed. It's never like clean. It's never bandaged. It's just there and apparently doesn't hurt that much. I thought the dead guy said it's just a, a, a flesh wound or something. Still a bullet through and through her stomach and outer back. You'd think two wounds would. Maybe cause her to stumble a little bit. Nah, she's Everly. She's tough. Why? That's my other. That's my other problem. Where does her insane skill set come from? How is she an expert marks person? Knows how to throw grenades. Where does all of that shit come from? Look, dude, you're asking too many questions. She was living with her mom. She, I'm assuming, is a single mom because dad is never mentioned. She's kidnapped by Yakuza. Forced to be a sex slave for four years. She escapes and all of a sudden she's 
fucking John Wick? What happened there? Just I, a little bit of like, oh yeah, I was a Marine or something like that. That's all I need. Just one line of like, yeah, you know, expert oh, so marks person, something like that. Want the lazy Liam Neeson explanation? <laughs> Particular Prior set Marine. of skills. Prior Marine, Prior Ranger. Oh, I used to be CIA. <laughs> Inserts some kind of shady fucking background here. It's not the best screenwriting technique, but it does answer all my questions pretty immediately. I don't question like, oh, that's how he was able to shoot that guy from so far away. Oh, that's how he's an expert in hand-to-hand combat. Like, okay, <laughs> I get it. I buy it. <laughs> that's or how they have to do that for The Rock, not because he's playing a badass on screen, because he's always impossibly big half the time for some of his his uh, film jobs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's important to give me some context, especially with this character who is shown to have been in this situation for so long like how does she have any skills so the fact that she's just like one shot one killing everybody in this movie i i would like to know why or how look man you're asking too much i don't think i am i think i'm asking the bare minimum here we got the bare minimum and it was excellent (laughs) (sighs) well what is your if any problem with this movie I do have actually one. I thought of immediately. Uh, that's having this film take place during Christmas because it never really fully commits to the holiday. Like, there's no Christmas lights. They play a Christmas song at the end. That's about it. Like, it, this film tangentially <laughs> mentions Christmas, <laughs> and that's about it. It was like the one cup is like, have a happy holiday, like, sarcastically. And that's about it. That's about all we get. <laughs> I have never said this on this show. I didn't think I'd ever have to say this on this show. But you can do better. That's a, that's a terrible reason. It's kind of a Christmas movie. This movie has so many more problems than that. No, it doesn't. <laughs> uh, I didn't come at you for your shit. How dare you come at me like this? That is like so... That's, that's like... You're not even... That, no, that's that's a, that's not even a complaint. That's that's you hiding the fact that you don't have any complaints. That is a complaint. Don't just like occasionally mention Christmas and then zoom out to a city that's not in snow. <laughs> at least Die Hard, like at least Die Hard, like it's in a city that obviously wasn't snowing, but it committed to its Christmas holiday much more. I love the snow thing. You immediately backpedaled on because you're like, oh wait, Die Hard's in L.A. <laughs> <laughs> but its sequel is not and it does commit to snow <laughs> oh just that, yeah I I didn't that didn't even really phase me because I was too concerned with all the other crazy bullshit happening you're that too, bothered me no you're too concerned with stuff that should not have bothered you because it's excellent filmmaking oh god I feel like I'm watching you Ah, how do I phrase this? Don't be a whore. That's too late. Uh, much too late. Look, this is a commit to the holiday or don't. Okay. What? All right, I could have taken enough. out the Christmas references in this movie. It would have changed nothing. No, because the Christmas present with the detective's head, like. The, the pink bear, like that, that had to do with Christmas. 
take those out, changes the film in no no way, shape, or form. You got to play Silent Night at the end. Yeah, you could have just paid more to the holiday. <laughs> I think it's crazy that you know a Yakuza mob boss's rape like rape apartment has a Christmas tree. You'd think yeah. he wouldn't really be thinking about that that much. They have to be thankful. It's a season of giving, Connor. Oh. Jesus. Oh, God. That's fucked up. That's really fucked up. Yeah. Yep, I went there. So on that note, on my very well thought out first filmmaking decision, go fuck yourself, Connor. Uh, the servo lining. What do you have, if any? Ooh. Ouch. Yeah, um, I'm the tables on you now. You ah. The scene where she throws a grenade in the elevator full of dudes and then it closes. That was cool. Oh, for some reason, I was like, where's filmmaking? I was still thinking bad. So I was like, how dare you complain about that scene? We're in the good part, buddy. It's your show. You should yeah. know that. I've had a long week. <laughs> Is it Christmas? And that was yeah the two scenes with the grenades where she blows up the dog which was like fuck and then when she throws it in the like the people looking all badass and like oh we're gonna get this chick and then she just whoop, chucks a grenade in there and they're all like oh like they start screaming <laughs> and scrambling and then it closes and you just see the blood explode it's like that was neat yeah, those parts are cool. I did have to like fucking hurry up and get up on the dog because, like, of course I wasn't paying attention, and my dog was like already at the TV, and he just looks, and I'm like, no. Yeah, thankfully, Seymour doesn't give a shit about the TV. He doesn't react to anything. However, if I ever have like DoorDash or something, anybody who comes up to my apartment, he's immediately like, "Well, what's this? What's going on? Something's changing. What's what's this?" And then just like looks around the windows and it's, it's hilarious every time. <laughs> no, dude, it's funny, the times I do catch it and he's like laying on the couch, he looks at me and he's looking at the TV with all the urge to get off that couch. And I'm just looking at him like, no, no. <laughs> Maybe you should just let him get it out of his system. <laughs> no, and then he breaks my TV. Fuck that. <laughs> oh, did he like jump at it? No, he gets like his nose touches it. Oh, I thought it was just barking. So he's actively trying to get in that TV. He's trying to get in that TV and get that dog. He's like, why is there another dog in this apartment? And I'm like, no, you idiot. It's a dog on the TV. That the is only dog in this apartment. That is wonderful. I, I love that. He's doing it with cats now, too, on TV. Because I guess he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought there were two cats in this apartment. <laughs> why is there a third one? Your dog is such an idiot. <laughs> I love him when it comes to that, yes. <laughs> what is your, which I'm assuming is one of many Silver Linings? Uh, yeah, cause it's a great movie. Um, So this was hard for me. I had a lot of options here. Uh, for me, it's just simply the incredibly, if incredibly effective use of its one main setting with escalating action scenes and gore. Mm. Profound. Exciting, yeah. Cool, I, I'll give you that. It's... It, it's neat, and I love that. I do like the re, like the uh, excuses they keep coming up with to get her back in the room. Like when the cops just corner her in the lobby and just take her back up there. <laughs> I forget how actually kind of funny that scene is when like 
She's like almost there, and you just see a sea of cops that are on his payroll just swarm and throw her in there. <laughs> You're like, oh, so close. But yeah, I like I like how they keep finding ways to get. I like how they find ways to get right out of the door. Because you know, at first that's like a little bit of her safety is like that door. And then they just find ways to get right out of the door and be like, no, you're not like that's getting worse and worse for you. Yeah. And the you know, the way they were able to get her mom and daughter into the story by having it's a terrible idea, by the way, just having them come to the building. That was that was a that was actually idea. almost my other so uh my other uh decision was just have her doing that. I'm like, why would you do that? Um yeah, like having them get to the apartment to kind of create some tension there. Um, again, building up your action scenes, obviously, first you got the prostitutes and, you know, we got the stuff you're talking about, the elevator, and then eventually you get like a whole swarm of SWAT guys coming in. You have the whole digression with the sadist, as he's called, which leads to, again, talking about the gore, like that incredibly pretty amazing gore scene where like she shoves that acid down his fucking mouth and, oh my god, does it do some damage to him. I didn't quite get how mom survived drinking that acid. Well, because she only had a little bit. A little bit of acid goes a long way. <laughs> no, it doesn't. That's just that seemed like a cop out. Like, oh, just wash your mouth out a little bit. You'll be fine after chugging some fucking acid. <laughs> You're a cop out. Oof, that stung. I don't know if we can still be friends after that one. Yeah, the whole sadist thing was weird, but in a good way. The the masochist freaked me out. Like the fucking gimp he had. Yeah, especially when it, you found he didn't die. And he gets that one prostitute that's like trying to help. And he pops up behind the little girl and you're like, oh shit, no, no. I thought Everly killed her first because like the whole deal was like, you know, when it's over, Anna gets the kill. I thought Everly was like, nope, changed my mind. It just went in there and fucked her up. <laughs> and then we got the reveal that it was a crazy guy. Yeah, no, I, I like how you thought Everly just destroyed kills the prostitute. I knew someone was up when, like, the, you see her in the background, there's clearly like, some damage has been done to her head. And I was like, what the fuck? I thought that, you know, she took the Tycho's sword and just was like, oh, I got one loose end to deal with. <laughs> and then went and killed Anna. I just assumed, like, Everyone's pretty cold-blooded here. But then, you know, the, the masochist still being alive with a cleaver did not even pop into my head as an option. No, because, you know, she was killing everyone else. So I thought he was dead. And I was like, oh, no, he he is still alive. You need to get rid of him. <laughs> yeah. Oof. So it's not, not all bad. No, it's all pretty good. You're just you're just way too harsh. Um. So unless you have more to say... We can move on to our next segment. Yeah, no, I got nothing. All right. Well, since I know you love this film so much, we're going to move on to uh, what's in the box. What's in the fucking box? A good chunk of these were mostly about how hot Salma Hayek is, which I mean, they're not wrong. They're but, not wrong. We we I know we have been we actively made sure to not go on about it, but yeah, she's impressive. <laughs> um, so this movie's rocking a two point seven out of five stars on Letterboxd, which kind of middle ground. So getting closer 
to that showgirls threshold we're hoping to break. Here's number one. This is from Hendo, the movie journey. Ooh, isn't he, isn't he special? Ugh, what a waste of time. Cookie cutter action scenes mixed in with a revolving door of blink and you'll miss them unlikable characters, a plot that doesn't get fully explained from the get go and a protagonist that goes from damsel in distress to perfect accuracy assassin in a matter of hours. Avoid at all costs. This movie has more holes than Everly's apartment. One star. Jesus, that's a bit harsh, I think. Yeah. Hendo the movie journey. I mean, just the movie journey. Just keep that shit to yourself. We're all on a movie journey, but we're not all broadcasting. Yeah, I got I got a feeling what this guy's like, and I don't I don't want to meet him. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay, number two. This is from John Kloss. This one's got it all. A woman forced into sex slavery trying to escape by any means necessary, and the enemies keep coming. Nonstop action, shootouts, bombs, bloody guts, blood sprays, Yakuza, crooked cops, liquid poison tortures, masochistic devices, and almost Harakiri. It all takes place in one apartment building on Christmas. Four stars. This one made me laugh because it made me think of the, uh, you remember the Stefan character on Saturday Night Live? Bill Hader, when he would like, the club guy who kept breaking. Yeah, it sounded yeah. like he was saying, like, this one's got it all. Like, it sounded like that in my head. This one has it all. <laughs> you know what? I agree with him. I am with this guy 100%. Serbia's hottest club is called Everly. <laughs> His next one is from Aaron. Just, just Aaron. Really hard to believe I made it through this. I was hoping for a fun shoot 'em up with a badass Salma at the helm. Instead, we get direct-to-video, low-budget torture porn clearly aimed at teenage fanboys who use their McDonald's money to download shit like this off their Xboxes and Playstations. Nothing redemptive here, not even Salma's performance, which is incredibly one-note. On top of it all, nearly half, the film's shot out, nearly half of the film's shots are out of focus and not on purpose. I'm not kidding. I would tell you to see for yourself, but even I'm not that much of a sadist to put you through this mess of a movie. One star. Ooh. These people are being like unreasonably harsh, in my opinion. Yeah, the McDonald's money that you use to download this off your Xboxes and Playstations. Like, oh, you sound fun, Aaron. Oh, my God. Yeah, and then like there was like one scene that you could constitute torture porn. It wasn't the whole movie, dude. (laughs) Ugh. Half a star. You got to really hate something to give half a star. Yeah, I'm not that bad. I've done that a couple of times. Films I truly hate. Not this one. You did it last week. <laughs> yes, I did. Uh, this next one's from Toyster Man. Toyster Man. I don't know. Maybe just the digital rental, but all annoyingly just out of focus slash blurry. That huge visual issue aside, I hated it. No bueno. One star. What out of focus? It didn't look out of focus to me. <laughs> That makes me think that this dude's Wi-Fi is all shitty. I can relate. And he's just watching it all blurry and is like, this movie sucks. You can't even see it. It's like, no, we can see it. <laughs> you yeah, can't like, see it. Yeah, I was like, I'm watching it like, I swear to God, it wasn't blurry. Like, I saw everything just fine. Yeah, I don't I don't remember that either. I didn't have that problem once. Yeah, I'm like, these two guys, they're blurry. I'm like, nothing's out of focus. Weird. Like, 
you'll know when a film's actually out of focus, and this is not out of focus. And this last one's from Jonas G. This made me laugh. Whateverly. Two stars. Yeah, it's about where I'm at. Whateverly. Okay, okay. Well, I mostly disagree with these human beings. I'm, I don't, I think there's a less assholey way to say you didn't like it. <laughs> That's where I'm at. I know, I know what halftime you mean by like, oh, it's okay. It's your fucking way of saying you don't like something. Yeah. You piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> is that all that's in the box? That is all that is in the box. We've had a really solid episode up until like what's in the box, which has been marred by technical glitches on my side. This fucking Aaron had that side to just say, fuck it, I'm not working anymore. And your cat messing with whatever. Before we reveal what this week's episode is, be sure to follow us on social media. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under Filmgasm Productions. If you want to shoot us a recommendation, feel free to email us at filmgasm.gmail.com. If you'd like to donate and support us in that way, you can find us on Anchor. Finally, feel free to get on our site, filmgasm.com, for reviews, trailers, and our episodes. Next week, we'll be looking at the Fred Durst, that's right, lead singer of Limp Bizkit, directed horror film, The Fanatic. On Filmgasm, we'll be looking at, at the Japanese horror, at a Japanese horror classic, Juon. And on Oscar Sunday, they'll be doing their Best Picture Showdown with a spotlight on the badass epic Gladiator. Until then, uh, when deciding to work with a cop to bring down a powerful mob boss, make sure said mob boss doesn't find out. Or else we'll be stuck in an apartment having to fight off waves of enemies. See you next week on Beyond the Bad.